0: And just begin to. uh, We're starting a series. I don't know how long it will go, but we're certainly being on this next week and possibly after that as well. But um, I I think it's important when you understand the Father's love that He has for us, and that that we understand what God wants to do in and through us, and the things that He's promised uh, to to do in our hearts and lives. Um, So, understanding the covenant that He made. Before in the covenant that that we have now, it's a a covenant of love because God really blesses us. And I want us to look, because we don't do this very often, at the the promises that are found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I want to see the blessings of obedience. um, Because how many know that God wants to bless you? Yes, God. Hallelujah. So these were the the promises of obedience um, that God promised. Deuteronomy chapter 28 says... Verse 1, and we're going to read on. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, there is obedience, uh, uh, the voice of the Lord thy God, and to observe uh, and to do all his commandments which I have commanded thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Verse 2 says, And all these blessings shall come on thee, and shall overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. Father, we just pray that this morning that you would impart to us the truths that we need to understand. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your word. I pray that you would open our hearts and we would see glorious things out of thy word. I pray that there would be an impartation of something that you want to give to each and every believer this morning. Lord, I I pray that your anointing would be upon the word, that you would break it and feed us as your sheep. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You know, there's a principle that we find in the scriptures, that God loves to reward the righteous. He loves to bless the obedient. Amen. God really wants to to show himself strong on behalf of those who serve him and follow him. And God wants to do all these great things. So when we do uh, the things that are right by the Lord, grace, favor, and blessing follow us. And when when we live to serve the Lord, these qualities are are abound more and more in our life. And so it's really important. Remember what it says in Psalm 84 and and verse 11, The Lord thy God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold to them that walk uprightly. That's the heart of God longing to bless, longing to encourage and to build up the body of Christ. He wants to do that. And that that word, he says, he gives grace and glory. It's the Hebrew word chain. And it's it's kind of a guttural sound, Chain. Uh, and it actually means grace or favor. And if you think about the favor of God, how wonderful is that? God wants to give you favor in everything that you do. And He promises that if, we, if we're if we obedient, that this grace and favor will be ours. And so, uh, over and over in the Scriptures, we see this, this theme that comes through uh, again and again. Isaiah 119 says, If you are willing and obedient you shall eat of the good of the land. Uh, and so did you notice with these scriptures that we've looked at so far that they're all conditional upon our obedience? And as we long to serve God and, and as we want to honour Him with our lifestyle and with our uh, our way that we walk... Um, as we do that, God says, I'm going to pour out a blessing upon you that you can't contain. I'm going to minister to you. I'm going to give you my grace, and my favor will be extended towards you. I think it's a wonderful thing with that, that God wants to do this. So, but it is conditional upon our obedience. Uh, you know, you're just going out to give God. Can you? No. You know, God is so incredibly good. He lavishes His abundance. He lavishes His goodness upon the upon His children who He delights in. And so we see that uh, in in verse two it says, "And all these blessings, and all these blessings, shall come upon thee and overtake thee." God has got a rich storehouse of blessings waiting to be poured out upon you and I as we walk in obedience. I want to take a moment because the word blessing occurs in in this passage of Scripture over and over and over. And it's very interesting that that if you want to know um, the the exact definition of a word, uh, you go to a dictionary, right? Right? If you want to know a a a spiritual word, there there are theological dictionaries that will actually define uh, what these words are. So I want you to look up the word "blessed," and I I went to Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Theology. It's one of the finest works um, uh, uh, out there, and it really explains and gives very clear, concise, and powerful definitions. Of, of, of individual words, it's probably the finest work out there, in my opinion. So there's Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, and I looked up the word "blessed." Do you know what I found? Okay. Well, no, not an idea, I'm, I'm going go. go to the Baptist Church. That, that's picking me up, sure. No, but we're all thinking. I <laughs> was thinking. <laughs> we, are, we are connected with <laughs> the church. So, Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Theology defines the word blessed as an endowed power for prosperity and success. Wow! Doesn't that put the cat amongst the pigeons? But that's what the, this word blessed means. Simply put, empowered to prosper. If you want two words to explain the the term. And it means to succeed, to flourish, to excel, to rise above. That's what the heart of God wants to do when he blesses his children. Mm -hmm. That we might succeed and flourish and prosper and rise above. And so this is the heart of God. And so we we carry on in in our our reading of of Deuteronomy 28. And uh, we're going to read from verse 4. It says, the fruit of thy womb shall be blessed. And the crops of your land, and your young, uh, of your livestock, and the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flock, your basket, and your kneading trough will be blessed. Hallelujah. God wants to do an amazing work. Verse 7 talks about the blessing of... uh, Protection and victory. Verse 8 talks about uh, the Lord will send a blessing upon your bonds and upon everything you put your hands to. How many could get excited about God blessing everything you put your hands to? I think it's amazing. And so he wants to put his hands on everything, bless everything we put our hands to. It goes on to say, The Lord God will bless you in the land that he's given to you. Verse 11, and he shall make you plenteous in goods. Verses 12 and 13. The Lord shall open up unto thee his good treasure. Hallelujah. <laughs> the heaven shall give the rain in, in the land in its season and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If thou shalt hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which he commandeth thee this day, to, to observe them and to do them. you uh, tell me where that? That's Deuteronomy 28. It's all part of the blessings of the covenant. God laid down yes. His yes. blessings for His people. Deuteronomy 28. And uh, you can read the blessings that God laid out. So, just a, a very brief overview of the Old Testament covenant is is one where God says, if you will obey me, if you will honor me with your life and serve me and obey my commandments, I'm going to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or think. Amen. Mm-hmm. God really wants to bless His people, and uh, you know that, that's just a very brief overview of the staggering covenant. I think it's amazing that mm-hmm. God wants to do that, mm-hmm. but then. When you turn over to, to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, something even more astounding takes place. Because Hebrews 8 6 says that we have a better covenant with better promises than they did in the <laughs> Old Testament. <laughs> wow. Better covenant, better promises. Our God wants to bless us in a new and wonderful way. Didn't Jesus say, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. Yes. He came to bless. Your life, and to and to really um, give us the Zoe life, for life, the, the Zoe life that God has. He wants us to enjoy the fullness mm. that God has for us. Oh, Here's my point. Most people are not experiencing God's abundant mm. blessing. Mm. When we look at what God promises, and we look at our own life, we must be honest and say, "Hey, yes. I'm not experiencing yes. everything right. that Jesus promised." And I want to say to you, that's not God's fault. There is a reason that we don't experience the, the blessing of God. Amen. And so it becomes really important that <coughs> we understand it. See, the truth is, we've been robbed, we've been impoverished, we've been cheated and deprived of God's blessing. We are living way below what God intends for the church yes, to have. Yes. We really are. When you look at the Old Testament covenant and see what God wants to do so abundantly, and He said, man, I've got better things for you in the New Testament. And I look at my life and think, Lord, I'm challenged by this. I realize I had been robbed, I've been impoverished. Mm. And it's it's, it's not God's fault. Jesus taught us that we have an enemy who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy My contention is that this enemy has been incredibly uh, successful uh, in in taking what uh, doesn't belong to him. He has robbed us of everything that God has intended for us to enjoy. He's robbed us of our inheritance. That's my contention. We've been fleeced of what rightfully belongs to us. So. Let's understand a little bit about the thief, because we know who the thief is, amen? The thief is the devil. But the thief comes, and and he will take whatever he can, wherever he can, until we stop him. He will take everything of value, unless we stop him. You know, when I was living in Africa, in one calendar year, 12 months, we were burgled 22 times in one calendar. Calendar month. This thief came back again and again until he had taken everything of value. Um, It it was just absolutely. um, He was determined. He was going to have everything that I had, and uh, uh, it, it, it really was. And but that is the nature of the thief. You know, he wants to. He wants to take, and he wants to take, and he wants to take. And there's only one way. The only way you stop the thief is when you put him in prison. And then he can't do any more harm. You have to stop this. What about Paul, Pastor? Sorry? What about Paul? Specifically. He did a lot of he did a lot of good in prison. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well 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 hopefully <laughs> this guy gets and saved his, again. Right? And his life was blessed as well, but he was scourged many times. oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But Pastor good. he didn't take everything you had. He took a lot, I can tell you. <laughs> Praise God. He didn't take my faith, and he didn't take a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. But the nature of a thief is that he he won't stop until he has everything of value. The truth is, you and I are engaged in a battle in a spiritual war with the Prince of Thieves. We are engaging the the, the forces of darkness, Satan, every demonic power that is uh, is represented by the serpent, uh, the devil, who wants to steal from us. And he has been incredibly successful at taking our inheritance. (laughs) but you know the truth is that God has an answer for this aren't you glad Amen. God wants Woo-hoo! to bless us abundantly mm-hmm. and but the enemy has come and he has stolen but God has a plan to stop the enemy yes. mm. and a very very powerful plan that God has for you and I it's called the church The church is going to stop the devil. Now, I want to just explain to you a little bit about this word church because it's quite enlightening. Uh, In fact, when when we look at the word church, we think of, uh, you know, normally a little picture of a building with a nice steeple and white walls. But really, that's not the church, is it? The church is you and I, the church is a bunch of believers. And the the word church in Greek is is actually ekklesia, and it's a compound of two Greek words. Ek means out, and klesia is a derivative of the the Greek word kaleo, which means to call. So when you put the two words together, it means to call out. And so the church is called out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We called into a place... Uh, that God has chosen for us. Out of every nation, every kindred, every tribe, and every tongue, we are called out into one body, the church. But you know, there there is an even deeper meaning than to be just called out. Uh, And I think it's very interesting that the Holy Spirit chose this word, and I don't believe it was by accident. I don't believe it was just coincidence. God wanted to explain something to, to the believers about those who are called out, the ecclesia. And the reason that he chose this word ecclesia is extremely significant. In Greek culture, back in the day, they had different districts, like the district of Sparta or the district of Attica. And uh, it was Attica is of extreme importance to us because uh, out of Attica, democracy arose, and uh, for the first time ever. In, in Attica, way back when, uh, people were elected to govern. They, they called people out of, out of the district of Attica and appointed them governors. These people actually uh, wielded power. They were there to make decisions, and they exercised authority. This was the first time it ever happened. And these representatives who were called out, or, uh, out of Attica to, to rule were known as the klesia, so when, when you put it all together, God is trying to show us the purpose and uh, the meaning of the word church. That we are called out to rule and reign, to exercise authority, to make decisions, to, uh, uh, to wield power. This is the picture that, that the Holy Spirit wants us to see. That, that, so it, the church is called to govern. It's selected to rule. The church wields power. The church shall rule and reign and exercise authority over demons, principalities, and powers. Aren't you glad? Amen. You know, when they they did this in Attica, when they elected these uh, people to the council, these representatives, it was a tremendous honor that was bestowed uh, upon these men who exercised authority and wielded power for the people. And again, it reflects back into the church. Do you realize that because you've been called into the church, God says, I've chosen you, I know you by name, and I have called you. You've been brought into the body to exercise power and authority. God has given you this rich privilege of exercising power and authority. The Bible says it's a high calling that we've been called to. So if you understand that, hey, God's called you to the church, you have been blessed with authority and authority and power Mm. to rule and reign in this world and the next. Mm. Powerful, powerful Mm. stuff. We are called to exercise power and authority Mm. in this world and the next. Remember what Jesus said? Behold, Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm Mm. you. Whenever you see that word behold, it means to look carefully. Study this closely because something powerful and dramatic is about to happen. And in Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power and authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. In the English, that word power is is repeated twice. In the original text, in the the, uh, Greek uh, transcripts, you see that two different words are used. Firstly, it says Jesus said, "Behold, I give unto you power." And he uses the Greek word exousia. This is the word we get our authority from. It's the right to command, the ability to decree things, and 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 be able to enforce them. That's Um, what authority. Exousia. Uh, Exousia is e x o u s -S 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 i a, and it means authority, the right to command. To dictate terms and have them obeyed. So Jesus is saying, I'm giving you exousia, I'm giving you authority, I'm <laughs> giving you power. And, uh, um, it, it, that is over principalities and powers. We have the right to command. Remember Satan. How did Satan appear in the Garden of Eden? He appeared as a serpent. And so Jesus said, I'm giving you power over serpents and scorpions. It, it, it's a metaphor, and Jesus is talking to his people in metaphorical language, saying, I'm giving you power over principalities and powers of darkness. Mm. And so it, it's really important that we understand it. And just in case we, we didn't get it, he says, I give you unto you power over all the power of the enemy. That word power is a different word to the word exousia. It's the word dunamis, miracle working power, the ability to perform supernaturally. And so what Jesus is saying is, I'm giving you your authority, the right to command, principalities and powers, the ability to rule and reign over the miracle-working power of the enemy. Amen. Hallelujah! <laughs> It's wonderful news mm-hmm. Jesus says you have power and authority to rule and reign over the forces of darkness would you join me in saying let's say I have power I have, have power over, have power have power have power over power. all the power of the enemy over all the power of the enemy let's say it again I have power over all the power of the enemy over all the power I have power I have power over all the power of the enemy Wow, that's wonderful news, isn't it? And they better it's be good. frightened. <laughs> Amen. The devil is going to be a, a frightened of us when we, when we get an understanding of what's going on. You see, Jesus, after he defeated death, hell, and the grave, when he rose triumphantly, called the disciples together and he said, All power and authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. What a statement. All power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now go. And preach the gospel. And, and so, what what Jesus did at that point was he delegated the authority that had been given to him to the church. They become the they became the bearers of Christ's authority in the world today. You see that? It's delegated authority. So uh, he. What did Jesus do? He deputizes us, He authorizes us to act as God's representative. And that's why Jesus said, those that believe will do the works that I do. Why? Because we carry His authority. We have the same mantle of power and authority that was upon Christ is now upon every believer. And I stress the word believer because if you don't believe that this is for you, you don't get it. You have to be a believer. And if you believe, then you start to operate in this massive authority where we've been deputized and authorized as God's representative. To do what? To enact or to perform God's will here on earth. We now carry the authority, this delegated power, I want you to see in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. I want to read this very um, expressive passage of Scripture from the Amplified Bible because it really makes the point. The Amplified says, and so that you can know and understand, okay? You've got to get this. You've got to know it and you've got to understand it. That's critical. He says, that you may know and understand... What is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power in us and for us? Mm. Unlimited. unlimited, surpassing greatness of His power. Immeasurable. Mm. These are the terms that God Himself expresses to, to, to the believers. Says, You've got to understand this. And when you begin to understand your authority and the power that you wield, I'm telling you, all hell trembles. Amen? Yes. All hell will tremble, because we have this immeasurable, uh, unlimited, surpassing greatness of His power who believe, as He demonstrated in the working of His mighty strength, when He raised Christ from the dead. So what the what this passage of Scripture is saying is, I am giving to you miracle working power, the same power that actually raised Christ from the dead. That is the power. This is the immeasurable, unlimited power that has been placed into your hands and my hands and into the hands of those that believe. Hallelujah. It's believers who carry this resurrection power and delegated authority. You know, I thank God that I've been a part of uh, raising somebody from the dead. You know, it's we have this authority, and uh, it's important that we understand that we can use it. You see, the truth is, we don't need to put up with the, the, the attacks of the enemy. God has deputized us and authorized us to act as his agents in the world, to have power over the enemy. So when the devil comes and creates havoc in your marriage, when he comes and creates havoc in your family or in your job situation or in whatever circumstance of life that you find yourself, God says, you have The power and the authority to stop it. And when you rise up in this power and authority, it will stop in Jesus' name. Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. So it becomes really important for the church to understand that every believer is no longer a victim. The thief has come and he's stolen our inheritance. And I say, enough, stop. Devil, you're not taking another darn thing from me. I'm claiming... My inheritance. I'm exercising the authority that Christ has invested in me. And when we do that, the, the, the forces of darkness must obey because this is the word of God. Amen? Amen. So. Amen. Hallelujah. So, how, what power has God given us to just It's power from on high. Resurrection power, supernatural, miracle working power, and authority. That has been invested into you that believe. And again, you've got to believe this. You've got to believe it. Say, this is my power. This is what I have. I rule. I reign in Christ's stead. I have been deputized by the Lord of glory when he said, All power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. You know. I served as a soldier, as you know, during during the Rhodesian War, and sometimes we, we would go in, and we'd know we'd be taking uh, a very big base camp. Sometimes there would be like be like 2,000 enemy uh, enemy combatants in the place, and we'd go in there. And uh, whenever we, we, hit, we hit a big base camp like that, we would carry extra ammunition, extra magazines, extra grenades, extra rocket launchers, extra uh, mines of every kind of description. We were loaded, it was hard to walk. It was, we would carried so much equipment uh, because it was just the, the amount of firepower was absolutely amazing. When we went in places like this, we had people like the SAS, the Salute Scouts, Special Forces. We had the army and the air force and so we'd go into these base camps. And, uh, but I want to say, say to you that this is nothing compared to the power in the army of God. Yes. Mm. In the army it. of God, we have miracle-working resurrection mm-hmm. power for those that will believe. Christ delegated mm-hmm. that to us. Remember, we, we have this power that will affect things here on earth and in heaven above. What? That's an amazing statement. Remember what Jesus said Matthew eighteen eighteen. He said whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. So we carry this authority affect things here on earth and in heaven. Amen. That's the power that Christ has invested into the believers. Again, believers. You've got to believe it. Hallelujah. But power and authority like this Can be dangerous if not used properly. Think of a gun. A gun is a powerful thing. In the hands of a raw recruit, uh, it it, it can be absolutely devastating, it can be fatal. You can kill or injure people if you don't know what you're doing with weapons. But in the hand of a, a trained policeman or soldier, that power can be used to protect. It can disarm criminals. Sometimes the mere threat of, of, of a weapon is enough to cause criminals to surrender. So in the right context, the power that Christ has invested in the church is a good thing. But like anything, power can be abused. Okay? And so um, we, we need to uh, un- understand that. And so it's important for, for the church to realize the context in which we've been given this power and authority. And I, and I guess probably the, the, the best illustration that I, I could use, uh, and I've heard other ministers use, it, is it, one that's quite familiar, but it's the, 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 the illustration of a policeman. A policeman has been given delegated power and authority. He has the right to arrest you and throw you into jail. He has that power to do that. Uh, he these stands with the power of the government behind him. But you know very well that a policeman cannot just do anything he likes with his power. He can only operate according to the laws of the land. Yeah. He only has power as long as he's conforming to the laws on the books. And when he violates those laws, even a policeman can be prosecuted and held accountable. It's called the the abuse of police authority. Again, a policeman can only enforce the laws of the land. He doesn't make the laws, but he enforces them. And he has authority as long as he's operating inside the laws. The moment he steps outside uh, of the law, he has no authority. For example, if a policeman goes to a a foreign country on a holiday and he sees a crime taking place, do you know that he cannot arrest you? You you can see somebody committing murder, robbery, you name it, uh, he cannot arrest you. He is out of his jurisdiction. He has no power. You know, He can't even make a citizen's arrest because he's on holiday, he's not a citizen of that place. So he has no power or authority to exercise. Likewise, the kingdom of God is also governed by laws. And we need to understand these laws so that we can flow in them and be a blessing a- and exercise this power and authority. In fact, the, the, the whole kingdom operates by laws. You know, The Bible talks about the law of faith. Uh, the law of works, the law of God, the law of sin and death, the law of the spirit of life and, and the law of Christ. You can go on and on. The kingdom is bound by laws. And when we understand these laws and operate them, we have the full power of God Himself behind us. We have the full authority of heaven backing the things that we're doing when we are operating according to the laws of God. Can you say Amen? amen. I'm getting excited about this. Yes, so as believers, then, we can only exercise authority within God's laws. We can enforce spiritual laws that God has instituted. The problem is, you know, some of the, the mistakes that are made here when people first begin to understand their authority is that they, th- they think they can make life go their way. And uh, we're going to use our authority to get whatever we can and whatever we want, you know. Uh, it's like bending life to to my desires, you know. That's carnal thinking. For example, you know, you think, hey man, my, my neighbor's got a really cool house. I would like that, you know. And I'm going to use my power and authority uh, to, to drive them out of their home. And uh, I have scriptural mandate for that because uh, the Bible actually says in Matthew 21, 22, it says, all things whatsoever you desire in prayer, believing uh, you shall receive, and ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. So, hey, I can use my authority, I can pray, I can drive those people out of their house. No, that's not actually what we are mandated to do. Uh, You know, you can't do that. Um, This is covetousness. This is selfishness and greed. And the 10th commandment says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. And therefore we cannot use our authority to go beyond what God has said. God has said many wonderful, wonderful things, but He doesn't let us use our authority for personal lusts, for our own gain, for the things that we want. You can't sit there and say, man, that, that I, my neighbor's got a lovely wife, I think I'm going to pray and use my authority that the husband die so that I can marry her. No, you are operating outside the jurisdiction of God's Word, the laws of God. And God will not honor that. You will not be given that kind of power or authority like it. We cannot do whatever we want with our authority. We are bound by the laws of heaven. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. So, Romans 7.12 says this, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, just, and good. So we can do things that are holy, just, and good. We don't pray for our, our neighbors uh, to, to, uh, to suffer. You know, God's not going to do that. You know? God's not going to drive people out of their homes and destroy their lives, so that, you, uh, that make them suffer so that you can be blessed, make them fail so that you can succeed. No ways. That's an abuse of, of, of power, and God will not back that up. God will not let you do that. We cannot do whatever we want to do with our authority. We're bound by the laws of God. Our authority is literally to enforce the will of God. We cannot exercise authority over somebody else's will. God himself doesn't do that. So we have no mandate uh, to do that whatsoever. Uh, you know, it, we are free. We're being given free will uh, to operate. So you know, we can accept or reject Christ because God has given us free will. And so it's, it's important that we understand we can believe in evolution or we can believe in Christ. The choice is ours because we have free will. And we cannot exercise our authority over another person's free will. You just cannot do it. It will not work. Our authority is over sickness and disease and poverty and principalities and powers of darkness, over Satan and the forces of darkness. Our authority is to enforce the will of God of God here on earth. We can lose captives. We can cleanse the lepers. We can make the lame to walk and the blind to see. We can cast out demons. We can uh, drive the devil himself. Up. He will flee from us. Hallelujah. These are the things that we can do because God has authorized us to do that and empowered us to do that. Just remember what Jesus said or uh, uh, the Spirit said in, in, in Ephesians chapter 119 which I've just read to you and so that you may know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited, surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe, as He demonstrated in the working of His mighty strength when He raised Christ from the dead. Amen. There is so much we can do to, to regain the inheritance that God has given to us. We are not victims, we are powerful in the spirit, affecting things in this world and in the heavenly realms. And so what what I want you to do this week is to realize that you have authority over the devil and over all the forces of darkness. And don't let the devil dominate you. Let's begin to, to rise up in this authority and say, Hey devil, you are a defeated foe. You are under my feet. I have this power, it has been given to me from God to enforce the laws of God, the will of God, so that we can all be blessed. I'm just going to ask if you would bow your heads in a word of prayer this morning. And I wonder if you have been listening to what I've been saying and realize that you've been You've been robbed, you've been impoverished, and that, that the enemy has been having far too much sway and authority in, in your home and in your life. I want to stand with you, and I want to pray with you. If you have been uh, feel that, hey, that you need to exercise some spiritual authority over what the enemy is doing, I want to agree with you and pray. And so if you realize that you've been involved in a battle and you, you've been coming out on the wrong side... Now is the time to to make a stand. Now is the time to appropriate that authority and begin to exercise it. And so while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to stand with you in prayer and believe with you that the the enemy, and declare that the enemy is a defeated foe. I want to declare that uh, he has no power over us because we have been given all the power of heaven and earth and delegated that authority. And so if you want to wage warfare, this morning, and claim back some of the things that the enemy has stolen. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning and just say, "I'm, I'm going to take that authority. I'm going to. I'm a believer. I'm going to uh, see that I gain all that God has given." Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Lord, we thank you that you your intention is to bless us so incredibly richly. Lord, when we see the blessings of the covenant, we are overwhelmed by your generosity, your goodness, Lord, the things that you want to do for us. But, Lord, we also realize this morning that much of what what our inheritance has been stolen by the thief, the enemy has come and robbed us. And so, Lord, I I want to pray for my brothers and my sisters in Christ uh, who uh, want to enter into warfare this morning, recognizing that we are the authority... Of God on earth, that whatever we bind will be done, whatever we lose will be loosed. And so, Father, I pray that Lord, where the enemy has been infiltrating into marriages and into homes, into bodies with sickness and disease, Father, we come against this in the mighty name of Jesus. We say, Satan, we bind your authority. We declare that, Lord, uh, we declare that nothing you have taken will remain with you. We're going to receive back everything that you have stolen. We declare and bind the forces of darkness. We bind every principality and every power of the evil one, and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. That Jesus has a, has, has triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. And because He lives, we shall rule and reign in this life because of his authority and power that he has bestowed upon us. So Lord, I just pray for a change, a change in the, in the spiritual atmosphere. Uh, Lord, as we, we begin to rise up and take our authority over sickness and over disease and over, over marriages and relationships, Lord, we, we pray, we declare the blessing of God uh, upon the church of the living God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.